What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Deer Vein Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Heller, and today we got an awesome guest, Eric Clark, with Where to Hunt. Um, and today we're all we're just going to kind of run through podcasting. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about deer hunting for sure, but a lot of it's going to be about podcasting um, and, and how we came about to do this. And then if you're interested in it or you're actually want, just curious about the behind the scenes on this type of thing, like this will really fill you in on on how podcasters do a lot of this stuff, and then uh, we'll also talk a little bit about Eric's app, which is pretty cool. I think it's uh, it's very unique and it's like a double edged sword, so uh, there's a little bit of risk to it. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, and then we'll get into deer hunting. So uh, Eric, why don't you um, tell people about your podcast first if they haven't heard it, and then also talk about your app a little bit. Rock on! Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, I guess the podcast in its current form is, uh, I guess I would call it more of like a radio show nowadays. We air the show live Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Central Time. And then we actually have the ability for folks to call in. So it's like a call-in show. People can call in for Q&A or add their two cents or share a story. And, uh, you know, we have like a call queue. And uh, what's that What's that person called that actually takes the calls? Um screener screener i have like a digital call screener (laughs) and yeah so that's great it's it started seven years ago and it's evolved quite a bit and i you know i just really want to be the the people's podcast i guess and then yeah there's an app too uh it helps you as a hunter identify occupied and unoccupied hunting properties based on other users so if other folks are on the app and are hunting you can uh stay the hell away from them and avoid one another so really try to help people not bump into one another and hunt safer and have some more awareness. Yeah, no. Okay. So starting out with, uh, you mentioned a lot of things that I want to ask you about, which is the first one is the, the podcast, like being live, you know, so you stream your podcast every Tuesday night and it's live at seven o'clock, seven 30. And, uh, why would you want, like a lot of people want to edit a podcast. Like they don't want it to be, totally live so why would you go ahead and do that yeah i was definitely going out on a ledge doing that uh i do it to capture some uh i guess to make the conversation more of a two-way street so initially i was doing it that way and uh, just doing it to gain some commentary so like hey enter a comment and if you have a question then i would read it rather than filling that ahead of time i could get it real time so really added value that way and, and help people feel heard on the show and then we added the the call-in feature, and the only way that that works is to broadcast live and then take those calls in. So right. uh, I thought, well, if I'm going to go live, I could just go live on like any time and then throw it into a podcast later and chop it all up. But that proved to be more work than I cared to do. And I was <laughs> having so much fun with it. It all just kind of fit and made sense. That and the the bigger thing in today's world from a marketing standpoint is people can smell you know bs a mile away and authenticity can overcome that so i don't edit it because it's not authentic i want to make sure i am who i am and the people that call in are who they are and if i have to edit some things out i can and i and i do very subtly and not very frequently um so that's kind of that's kind of how that works and we've gotten some prank callers and there's been some problems on air. I, my hundredth episode was a total train wreck. I, I lost my voice. I was sick. It was my, first time <laughs> I co-host. remember that one <laughs> and the camera feed went out and like everything broke that could have broke. It was like Murphy. It was like Murphy's law was hanging out with us on that one. Um, but that's part of it, man. It shows the human side of things that 
you know, kind of like the white tail adrenaline guys, they, they hunt out of beater cars. They, they don't practice good. Like, you know, they're not wearing scent lock. They're just playing the wind. Like it goes to show you can do this stuff and it's not this perfect Instagram world. You know, I haven't put a photo filter on. This is it. This, this is, you know, some room in my house. It's right. no, big... no, my personal, my personal favorite podcasts are ones where I literally feel like uh, I'm in the room with people. You know, where, where it is, where it is just really what people would say to their, to their friends. Like if you and I were sitting in a room together right now, having a beer, what we would actually say to each other. And that to me resonates a lot. And as I was kind of building my podcast, um, one of the big things that I was very concerned about in the beginning was, was the quality of the audio. And then as I kind of really like looked into how much money I want to spend, which is something we'll get into. Uh, how much money I want to spend to get started and all that stuff. I was like, you know what? If the content's good, people will listen to it with, you know, an eight out of 10 or a nine out of 10 audio. Like, it doesn't have to be perfect. Like mm-hmm. if the content's good, you know, it's kind of like same with my YouTube videos and all those uh, Instagram videos I put up, like the, the video quality isn't perfect, but it's, it's pretty damn good and it's good enough, I should say. So, and also, you know, I don't get paid for any of this stuff, so I don't really want to put a lot of money into it because, um, it's, uh, it's not a moneymaker for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I know over the years you accumulate stuff and whatnot, but, uh, but no, it's, uh, that's one of the reasons why I really like your show is because it is just like you're in a conversation with somebody. And the fact that, I mean, I've called in a few times and you can actually just ask someone, you know, like Aaron Hitchens was the other week and he's been a dude since I learned what filming was he's been a guy that i've been following so it was really cool like i wanted to call in and i could have taken over that whole show and just spent an hour <laughs> on the phone with him and just ask him questions but uh i might have wanted to just ask my question and get out because i know there were other callers and other people and other information you know to get out there but uh but i i you know i think that's really cool and especially like you know as you grow and as you get bigger it would be phenomenal for people who, you know, you start getting like the Cameron Haynes is on here of the world or something like that. And you can have people just call in like your, your call log would just blow up because people just want to talk to them. Yeah. You know, yeah. for, for, for me, at least I want to provide a, that access, but B I want the collective knowledge base of all of, all of the hunters around the country, not just the ones that are deemed quote unquote experts. I think there's a greater knowledge that comes from the collective Everyone's got something to offer. Everyone's got a tip or a trick and there's different ways to hunt in different parts of the country that can apply in other areas. Um, and that, that's where I think the value is. And, and I, I get that from the guests over time for sure. But having the ability to have people call in, like we had a guy out of Heartland, Wisconsin call in and Greg and I are like, who, who is this dude? Like, what do you want to be our guest? You know, uh, <laughs> and he ended yeah. up being our guest like a couple of weeks back. It, it was like, holy crap. Um, so stuff like that. And you, you brought up a good point too. Like the, the, the audio quality should be good, right? It, it's hard to listen to audio quality that isn't great, but if the content's good, you'll you'll listen through it all to just get that content. Um, right. you know, how many people listen to Dan Infault's podcast? And you know his recording equipment, no fault to the guy, isn't isn't the greatest, but his content's killer. You know, right? Um, if we same with his YouTube videos, <laughs> yeah, that that just goes to show that like it only matters so much. And Gary V too, that guy, dude, he'll eat on his show. And I'm like, oh god, Gary, quit tuning in the freaking mic. Oh, I know, right? Yeah, it's like, like he's in a lunch meeting giving. Like, this is terrible, but I'm listening. 
Um, and so one of the reviews yeah. I got like a month or two ago, it says the title is excellent content, crappy audio quality. And that was before I got the new mixer and stuff. And it said great guests and topics, audio quality needs improvement, but he still gave us five stars. And that was probably the best right. review I got to, to help me like validate that. Oh, we are putting out good content and I can fix audio, right? Money can fix audio. Right. Engineer fix audio. You can fix that. But if you don't have good content, who cares? Just a, that's just right. a polished turd, right? <laughs> right. A turd's a turd. Yep. Um, okay. So, uh, the only thing I wanted to, that you mentioned like right off the bat was the, was your app. So it shows you, can you, so you, you gave a brief overview and as, and as I understand it, um, I have it, I do have it now. Um, it is a, it's an app where you download it. Um, and then you can turn your GPS on or off. And based on that, you get to see where other hunters are, which for public land hunting is very nice because if you're trying to go to a spot and you pop that thing open and there's already a guy there or two dots there or whatever, you'd be like, ah, crap, I'm not going to go there. I'll go somewhere else. Right. And that's, that's the yep. whole point of it. That's the premise, man. It, it really yeah. is like, it's uh, you put all that time in to scout, you know, in spring and now, and while you're turkey hunting or whatever, and then you get to a place where you think you're you're in it, man. You're like, I am I am desolate. I am uh, back in here. No one's going to get to this spot on public land. And lo and behold, man, you're not the only one back there because other guys can read a map the same way you can. They can follow the pinch points, look for the bedding area, get some assumptions made, go check it out. There's other hardcore hunters that aren't lazy that are going to trek back into some some far off areas. And, uh, you know, I, I don't mean it for it to be an app that's going to you know, publish your spot to be a beacon to go there. It's more of the opposite. It's a, I'm here, stay away. And I've heard a few people now talk about like, they'll put a map on their car window and say, I am here. And so when you get to that parking lot and giant picture on their back window says where they are, so you can stay away from them. I think that's kind of what I'm going for. Here's the digital version of that. So um, and there's some ancillary benefits, like, you know, some safety components to that for your own hunting party. Like if I go with my dad, I know where he's at. If I don't hear from him, I know where to go find him. Uh, my wife knows where I'm at. She can see me in my private group feature. She knows that I'm in the woods. If something were to happen or what have you, um, people move, people get bumped. And then, you know, if you're lazy and you don't want to like, if you have to track a deer and, and your buddy's like, meet me, you know, at the spot and you don't know where that spot is, at least you don't have to go back to the truck and then go reconvene. You can just have one dot, find the other dot and you're good. You can just go right to where they are. Um, yeah. you don't have to play the, I'm by this tree game. <laughs> All right, dude, when you get to the Creek, cross the Creek, take a right at the big Oak. It's, <laughs> I know it's pitch black, but you'll see it. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. no, for sure. And I, uh, I like it in certain scenarios when I want to, when I roll up to a parking lot and I want to see where other people are or and like, and, and I, so I'll turn on the app, I'll check it out. And then I'll actually just flip off my GPS and then I'll be like, all right, here's where I'm going. Um, based on that you generally, and that's like, if I'm late, right. If I'm early in the morning, I know I'm going to probably be the first one there. And it, it has different applications for deer hunting versus waterfowl versus small game hunting and things like that. Because, like waterfowl, it's obvious where people are, right? There's all the decoys. That's where they're set up today. And in waterfowl hunting, it's really like, especially public land, it's about who gets there first. Yeah. Um, like, because that, I mean, you know, then they just shine everybody else off the decoys and you're, you know, it's, it's gone. 
But at least if that were the case, you know, and you had the choice to go upriver or downriver, and you look upriver and the spot you want to go already has somebody in it, then you're like, all right, cool, I'll just go downriver, whatever. Like, now I don't need to waste the gas and the time to go up there to get shined off of a spot. Whereas whitetail, people are a little bit more... Uh, yeah, they're definitely guarded. Say. It's closer to the vest. You know, they don't want people yeah. to know. I have, I have some thoughts about that, and uh, I think... You know, I just read an article from the National, is it the NF, National Federation of Turkey Hunt, Hunting? What am I Yeah, saying? NWTF. NWTF, thank you. Yeah. They just produced an article that says there's millions of people flocking to hunting right now based on what's all been going on with the COVID-19. Awesome. Uh, yeah, and, I'm sure turkey numbers are way up. Well, just they're, they're talking about the hunting collective as a whole around the country because there's, you know, this alleged shortage of food. And so there's a greater interest in wild game. And well, if you want to get wild game, you're gonna have to learn how to hunt. So now there's a lot of mentor program kind of startups popping up. I pay attention to the startup world and that ecosystem. Um, Glass and Bugles, one of them, there's a few others. And then there's other people that are focusing on the field of fork movement as a collective as to how you can fill your freezer and, and some apps around that. And then there's the identification of land. Where do I go? Onyx has got that covered well. Basecamp has that covered well. Um, for me, you know, access is perceived to be one of the biggest problems, and it certainly is one of the biggest kind of blockers. Uh, what it actually is, though, is time. And time of a modern hunter is spread really thin. I imagine you have a day job. You do this on the side. You might have a kid. You might have two kids. You might have a wife who wants some of that attention. Like, there's only so much time that can go around. And so for me, when I think about our time in the woods, if I bump into another hunter, they bump into me, we've just had a bad use of our time in the woods because now we're not going to see anything for for a while at, or if at all. And I just right. trek how far to find you when you whistled at me or I was in a stand. I see you come in a mile away and like, damn it, you know, um, right. a lot out there for the same reason. We have the same goal. So it's just interesting to me, to me to think that people think their spot is that sacred. And you know, the guys that are too lazy to go that far anyways, they don't, they're not gonna, they don't care. They're going to go to their same old spot, same old time, same old way. They don't, they don't give a shit. Um, so I think that, no, I, yeah, I definitely yeah, I agree. Time, I think there's uh there's certain pieces in my mind, there's certain pieces of land that I go, that I hunt at. Like, I mean, you and I went hunting, um, this last season, right? We went deer hunting. Mm -hmm. I've had where, where we went, I've had trail cameras in there. And per year, I generally get two to three other people. That's like, that's it. So that area to me is, but we were also, how we almost walked, it was like 1.8 miles to the tree. Yeah, we, we made so it was, it was a hike. Um, but like, so that area isn't, you know, that's not really not based on a topographic map or even a satellite map. You can kind of figure out that area. There's certain spots that I have where it's literally like, the best example would be like the big North woods. I know you had a guy on that for on the podcast. Yeah. And when you're in an, an area that is just all wooded and it's really about putting your time in and figuring out where they like to travel to me, it, that makes it more sacred versus a pinch point or a funnel that you find on a satellite map because anybody can spot that and anybody can go hunt that. And so like there's, there's a couple spots on the public that I hunt that I won't turn my GPS on, but a lot, but the other ones I will, because it like, it's really about who gets there first at, on, on some spots. And then I just don't, I don't want, I would really appreciate it if people didn't bump into me and if everybody had the app, <laughs> right? right? Like, I had, 
Yeah. Last turkey season, I had some dudes come rolling up on me and I spotted them in some thick cover about 30 yards away. And they had no idea I was there and they were just coming. And there was a turkey out in the field out in front of me coming to me. And I didn't know like what to do. But if these guys saw that turkey, I was going to be in their line of fire. So I was like, shit. So Mm -hmm. I busted that turkey out and I just stood up because I did not want those guys to shoot me. Because they, and after talking to them, it was likely they were going to shoot me. <laughs> after they were kind of your, your, uh, your bubba's of the world. <laughs> they were unique characters. Um, one of them had a fucking $1,400 gun uh, over under for turkeys. I was like, what? it's like a premium pheasant gun. I was like, what are you doing out here with that thing? Oh, it's my dad's. I know. I know. Just. You told me I could borrow it for turkeys. <laughs> I was like, oh man. But yeah. uh but yeah, I mean if they would have had the app, like it would have been very easy to be like, oh, don't there's a dude right there. How many people are avoiding situations like that? I mean, we've got fifty thousand some odd people using it across the country. You know, I, I saw it the other day. Uh, a lot of people had shared it on Instagram and the country was lit up like a freaking Christmas tree, you know. So I wonder yeah. how many people they are getting the use out of it that it, that we promote. And it's a one-trick pony. People, what does it do? Does it do this? I'll check it. I'm like, it does one thing. It shows you how the hunters are, period. And it's going to do more things, um, you know, in the near future as we get some development done. But, um, you know, as I was talking about before, with all these new hunters coming to the space, it, I, I'm less willing to accept the mindset of it's my spot when we need other hunters to come into the space. And if that's something that they're struggling with, I want to teach those people and help them and give them that access and be less guarded because they're the future of hunting to some degree, whether we like it or not, we need more numbers because if you are so protective of your spot, if it goes away, you might not have a spot. You know, we, we need right. to work together to solve this problem. At least I think if, I, if I'm thinking globally, um, no, I'm, I'm on the same page as you, man. Like, uh, you know, I, I really enjoy mentoring people because it's, it's just fun. You're like, you're starting with somebody at a totally blank slate and they're just a sponge ready to tell you, ready to, to listen to whatever you have and they find it all fascinating. And yeah. for a moment in time, you're the smartest person in the world <laughs> to <laughs> these people. Are, yeah. But, uh, I, but just no, the, I enjoy mentoring people and then like, you know, seeing their success and seeing them get going. And that's really where my content stands is that person who's, who's gotten started, but then they're just not finding success. You know, it's just like, they've been haunting for, you know, two, three, four years for deer and they're just not doing too well. Yeah. So that's the, that's where I, if you, you guys can't see this on the podcast, Eric just pointed at himself and, uh, it's where, that's where my content really comes to life and, and what it's targeted at is trying to get those people who know how a bow is set up and, and how to buy a tree stand and things like that. It's just like, you know, how do you actually get on those deer to be able to see them and shoot them? Like that's the, that's the part that I try to try to figure out and try to help people with because yeah, the, the more people you have, the stronger our voice, the, the less likely public land and hunting rights in general are going away. I mean, it's uh you know, North, what is it? Canada banned grizzly hunting. They just banned 12 gauges and 10 gauges. Like, you know, there's some really interesting stuff going on in Canada, but you know, as you come down into the States, it's, uh, I mean, they they banned mountain lion hunting in California, and now instead of hunters paying money to go hunt them, the state pays sharpshooters to go kill them and leave them lay. 
Like that doesn't seem right at all, but you don't see any of the vegans out there complaining about that because they just don't know, you know, yep. and it's, 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 it's really that, interesting. I'm but... going back into the conservation efforts. So, you know, we do need the, I mean, the R3 movement's a big deal, right? The, the, yeah. the recruit, um, you know, uh, reactivate and retain. We want to get yep. people in. We want to reactivate the ones that have fallen out and we want to retain all of them. So mm-hmm. if we can get people to play nicer together, I think my app is hopefully a beacon of that. And certainly not one to say, go hunt where this guy's hunting. I always say, how do I know your spot's any good to begin with? Because if you try to find where I'm hunting, chances are it ain't a good spot. I have like one deer <laughs> and it's not big. <laughs> so as I'm rocking the okay as hunter gear here. So right. it's like, that's kind of no. it. I do think, you know, I would say of the, I try to talk to everybody that I meet, that I see on public land. Mm-hmm. there's a few people that will avoid you here and there and not want to talk to you. And maybe once a year, I run into a crab ass out of like 20, 30 people that I meet. It's, it's really rare that I run into a, a, a real dick. Most um, people parking lot are going to be, are going to be candid and nice. There you know, yeah. just saying, where are you going? Where, where did you go? And, and oh, I went this way. I covered that area down there. I was down in the swamp and, you know, maybe they're not going to tell you their exact spot, but they give you a general region. So again, you can avoid one another. So yeah, for sure. And, and I think those types of people are kind of, I I honestly think they're slowly going away because in the world, the world we live in now, um, just people being connected and how, how much more you, you have to be nice to people, um, in, you know, being on the internet and being a, an internet troll is totally different than actually talking to people, uh, in real life. But I, I, yeah, I've, I just don't run into many people that are, that are mean. And I think that more people are becoming like, I don't want to say in it together, but you know, in a sense, they're like, all right, well, if you're going here, I'll go here. So I don't ruin your hunt. You know, Mm -hmm. I've had multiple people say that to me, like, Hey man, I don't want to ruin your hunt. Uh, like, how do you, how do you guys want to set up? And that's usually how I start the conversation because that just like opens, opens it up for them to, for you, them, how do I want to say this? Like they know you're being nice and you're being considerate of what they're doing. And then in return, they usually show that same gratitude. Reciprocity is pretty strong. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They're like, oh, okay, this guy's not a dick. Like, I don't need to be a dick too. So yeah, I'm going to go over this way. If you want to go over that way, that's cool. Like, you know, yep. and, and then whatever. Good luck, you know, and then when you get out and they ask, could you see anything? <laughs> and that's it, you know, right. The answer is always no. Where <laughs> <laughs> you shoot him in the chest. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So no, I, I think that, I think the whole world is the whole hunting world is becoming better. Um, people in general and, I do think, you know, we're getting a lot more, you know, historically hunters have kind of been those like kind of conservative, solitary people that are just like, you know, out in the woods to be by themselves and not to see other people. And, and there wasn't a huge industry. There wasn't nearly as big of an industry around it. And as we're growing, we're getting those, you mentioned, uh, feel, uh, table or field the fork people, you know, like those guys are specifically targeting, uh, what are they called when everybody's out on a Saturday morning in a farmer's farmer's market, farmer's market. Yep. yep. Yeah. That they're going to farmer's market. Yep. They go there yeah. and then they start to continue to evolve from that. You know, that's, kind of <laughs> works. yeah. And those, I mean, you know, when you're targeting people that are at farmer's market, those are generally nice people. They're not 
the most conservative mean people in the world because they're out there walking around and you know having fun and seeing what's out there and those people are nicer so you bring more nice people into the into the hunting industry and and it just grows and you know and i and i yeah and i think like the whole everybody wants to shoot a big buck but a lot of times the the trophy in my in my experience with the people i meet trophy hunting is kind of slowly fading out like people are all they're always after the big buck but it, a lot of people are just like man i just want to I just want to fill my freezer. I want, dude, I, I, I need the meat. I want the meat. We're out of meat. <laughs> yeah. And I think I've introduced like six or seven people into hunting as, as brand new hunters. I've brought them with, um, one to bow and multiple to gun. And, uh, you know, every year we, I have them use the app, uh, the word hunt app and they get super excited about it cause they've never been on this property. They don't know where the hell they are. They haven't been hunting it for years and they like the, you know, kind of, uh, I don't know the, the safety net. Oh, this is where Eric is. Okay, good. And and he knows where I am. Okay, good. And I'm not going to get lost out here. And I know where everybody else in this party is. And then I've put them on, on deer and they've gotten them. And it was a doe and my buddy, like and my one buddy got his first buck. And a lot of my friends got, have gotten deer. Um, actually two people have gotten their first bucks. Another buddy got a doe and, and they were like, just so jacked. He's like, yeah, yeah I think dead i think i got it man and and i knew where to find him even though he moved because he had the app and so like i came right to him and he's like this is great <laughs> you know and the <laughs> excitement you know to see a new hunter um use it and have success and tag and then eat the meat and cook up the back straps it's like we've just converted them you know and like that not right. to be feeling like it's evil like oh come to the dark side but it's like come to the light <laughs> side you know like this is great right you know and it's just this totally different sense of fulfillment man and it's it's just something that I love. I love introducing people to sport and it seems like the new hunters really love the app and it's the old school guys that are like, yeah, I mean, I used to hear people say, well, I'm never gonna bring my cell phone in the woods. I mean, that's, I started the app. Uh, I was actually just looking through old emails today and I got bids back in 2014, uh, for the app. And, you know, back then everyone's like, no one's going to bring a phone into the woods. I'm like, really? <laughs> uh -huh. Okay. You know, Why now the station is really no one's going to share their spot. I'm like, okay. I mean, there's a lot of people on the app now, so I think you're wrong, but okay. Right. Yeah. It's like back in high school, you'll never have a calculator with you all the time. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's how about Things that? change, right? Yeah. Things change. Um, so uh, to kind of switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about podcasting, you and I have 100% opposite, like, uh, opposite ends of the spectrum setups. Like I literally have a mic that I bought for, I think $120. That's a USB and just plugs right into my laptop. And that's what I work off of. You have a setup, <laughs> but I didn't always, I had what you right? have. I did. Yeah. I had... So tell me like, yep. tell me a little bit about what you got going on. So just to, for, for reference, I, um, started podcasting before I even knew what a podcast was. I was a uh, co-host of a podcast that was called the Wildernet podcast. And my good buddy, Shane, who's a bit nerdy, but he's a hunter too. And, uh, actually owns some land up in Adams County and his dad owns a deer farm of all things. And oh, nice. president of the Wisconsin chapter safari club international. Uh, he is super technical and he built a content management system, a CMS, and built his own RSS feed to host a podcast that um, we put together called The Wilderness. And it came about when I got into his car once and, and he's like, 
listening to some radio show and I'm like, dude, what station is this <laughs> that you're getting this in the middle of the day? He's like, this isn't, this is a podcast. And I, and I didn't know. I'm like, I don't know what that, I don't know what that is. What are you talking about? He's like a podcast. Yeah. It's an internet radio show. And I'm like, what? I'm like, dude, you're too nerdy for me. I don't even know what the hell we're talking about. He's like, well, I've always wanted to do one. I'm like, well, what do you have to do? He's like, we just record. And then, you know, it goes up to an RSS feed. And I still, at the, I, was like, I have no idea, but it sounds fun, right? And I was like, well, we could do one. I could talk about, like, you know, outdoor stuff, and you could talk about the nerd stuff. And together, we could talk about, like, fun ways to uh, leverage technology to, to be outside and get people to get outside, right? And in doing that, I learned a bunch. And uh, I was like, you know, I had this audience of, like, 10,000 people on Facebook that I started to create to try to find, um, you know, public land near my house. And uh, I was like, well, why don't I do a podcast for them and, and see how that goes? And uh, that was September of 2013. I put a pilot episode out talking about what I think I was going to talk about and to just do a preface. And then my first guest was Jared Scheffler with Whitetail Adrenaline. And I was super nervous. Uh, wait, he's like, wow, you picked me for the first one I'm on. And I'm like, I'm nervous. And uh, <laughs> I completely said yes. So it was cool. I, um, I had a Yeti blue i think it's the brand or blue yeti uh mike oh yeah that mike yep i was gonna just, buy one of those yeah i think you took a picture of it at my uh house at the bar uh when you're on <laughs> yeah for sure and it, it was it was a usb mic and i used uh audacity which was free uh free which platform to like use. edit audio files so i would open audacity up hit a record button i would see me recording stuff and then i found some audio clips like some guitar bluesy music put that at the beginning faded it out, faded my voice in, did my interview. And then that was it. I put some sort of, you know, bullshit at the end of it and called it a day. That was the, that was it. That's how I did it. Um, and it's changed a lot. I think it was about a year ago or so, or a little bit longer than a year. I decided to be consistent. Specifically, I, I told my wife, I'm like, we need to, I need to do this for real. I need to give it a real go and not stop. So I made a, a plan to do it every single Tuesday, come hell or high water, uh, unless I was on vacation or something like that. And uh, I produce the same night I record, which is a challenge because I'm up really, really late. And uh, but it means people can depend on the podcast that it's there. And so the setup now, uh, I, in between what I have and what I had, I had the Yeti Blue or the Blue Yeti mic. Then I bought a mixer so I could do the live broadcast stuff. And um, okay. I just use my webcam on my on my computer. And then I bought a GoPro, which sits on a tripod. And that's plugged into my computer using something called a cam link. And then I bought this uh, Rodecaster Pro for a mixer. Now I can do fun sound effects. I think I can actually hijack your show. <laughs> and I can do that at the push of a button. And um, so, it's, yeah, it's changed a lot, man. So now I got all this stuff. And then I use uh, Restream.io to... Um, broadcast the podcast to multiple destinations at once. So Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter currently is where that goes. And that's how I do that. I also use something underneath that called OBS. That's just that's the like, live, right? Yeah. So that's how I broadcast the live out to multiple places. Um, without that piece, I could still broadcast live, but it'd only be to one place. Like I could have to choose Facebook or YouTube or Twitter or Instagram. Um, that's what I can do. Them. But yeah, th and there's more to it than that too, but that's the gist of it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, so as far as so like if if you're starting out a podcast like the first thing you, you need is a mic right and whatever you want to spend for that i mean you can literally use your phone you right can, that's what we did but in you're gonna use my earbuds for my iphone back in the day yeah but you're gonna need a uh you're gonna need a host 
So there's a ton of different hosts out there like Podbean or um, Libsyn, Podbean. Yeah, Libsyn. There's a bunch. Yeah. Bunch. There's Anchor, which you and I both use. But what is the so so you need like a host? It's kind of like a website host. And Podbean costs money. It's like mm-hmm. ten to I don't know fifty bucks a month or something like that. Yeah, some of them are based on storage. Um, yeah, that's right. Some are I forget the other ways they base them. So for my day job, I started a podcast for the company I work for, and uh, we had it on Libsyn to begin with. And then um, Gary Vaynerchuk invested in Anchor and then Spotify bought them. And once that happened, they lit up a lot of features and their whole thing is it's free because they get their money from the advertisers. So they don't have to charge the creator like these other platforms do. And their analytics are really good. They get a lot of intel from Spotify, for, from people that listen there. And then, um, you know, Libsyn's analytics are okay. You know, they're a little bit, they're, they're one of the first to market. Um, so they have some catching up to do in some places, but some of them have some neat nuances, like they're linked to headliner headliner is an app that will, um, do that little audio wave file and it'll do it over a picture and it'll do some like text transcription. You can still use that with anchor, but it's just not baked in yet. I, gotcha. I suspect it will be very soon. Um, cause anchor is a lot more modern and they, they're built on a modern platform so they can pivot much more quickly yeah. and they're owned by a much bigger company. So um, I think they're just going to eat a bunch of people up. No, I, yeah, that makes sense. And whenever I like, like I use, what is, what's the app? I use podcast addict to listen. If you guys ever want to know like who you, what, I, I don't know like why I find this cool, but I always like to know what other podcasts, what their platform is. And you'll notice the guys who have been in it forever, like Joe Rogan and uh, like Steve Rennell and the meat eater podcast that I listen to, they use Libsyn. And you'll see it when you click on it. It's like connecting to Libsyn, you know, and those like, yeah, like you said, like Libsyn's been around forever and they were one of the originals. So they're much bigger and they have a ton of data and they can't pivot easy. But anyway, the whole point of that was to tell you that Anchor is a free podcasting host. So if you want to start one, start there because it's it's free. It's, you know, you just need a a mic and you're good to go. Yeah. And the fundamental. You don't even need that. You just do it from your phone on an app. Um, yeah, for sure. So then, you know, um, and there are like the other people um, like Tim Ferriss, uh, very, very popular podcaster, um, has some great books, made a lot of money. And now he gets to just kind of like tell people how to make money. Uh, he uses like a handheld recorder, which is what you see when you see a bunch of guys sitting around a circle with headsets on they're recording into like a handheld recorder most of the time, um, which has like four, four ports where you can plug in microphones and those are, that's what the headsets are. One or something like that. I have one of those that I bring to trade shows. Yeah. The zoom H four zoom H six or something like that is what most people will use. Uh, but those like, again, you know, 200 bucks to get started with one of those for the lower end one, 150, if you can find it, you know, cheaper. And then, 300 bucks for the more expensive one and then you're throwing if you want decent audio you're throwing like 60 70 bucks at a mic and yeah it's you know it's just kind of whatever you want to do but i'm starting to so for my phone podcast i do google um google voice and then you can literally just record the google voice but you and you and i had a conversation about this the other day you can just record the phone call through google voice but the quality just isn't 
I, I don't know what's going on, but the quality just isn't very good, what comes across. And then that gives me like poor audio quality. And I never want to throw a podcast away because that was an hour of that person's time. So I'm going to produce it um, and put it out there. But I just don't, uh, I, I don't, I don't want to do that again, you know? So I, I think I'm going to get podcast with guests. And then I didn't record there another conversation. I had technical problems and I had to say twice has happened to me twice. And this is what caused me to stop for a while because I got so burnt out. I was like, Hey, I know we just spent an hour and a half of your time recording. Can we do the whole thing again? Right. That is and an awful. Luckily they like, were nice, but it was bad to have to yeah. do. Oh man. Like, yeah, if, if we, if you and I ever did a podcast again and like, and it didn't work out or whatever, like, of course I have no problem doing it again or anything, but when you get somebody who's like impossible to get on your podcast yeah, and you finally yeah, get them yeah. signed up, yep. you, you get that one chance <laughs> and that's what you get. Um, unless they, unless you like made real good friends with them or something. I have like three layers of recording now. So if one fails, I have another. And if that one fails, I have another. I have three ways that are running recordings on my show when I do it now. And the the best way is the most um, likely for me to F up because it requires me to hit the record button (laughs) sometimes. And if I forget, that's the best quality version I'll have. If I forget, then... um, I have a, pla- a platform that takes my calls that that records in dual channel. And if that fails, um, my video software can grab it. And so all three are recording or gotcha. two or one, no matter what. So yeah, I'm never going to have that problem again. <laughs> Good. Good. No, I, yeah. Um, I haven't had that problem yet. I knock on what I hope I never do. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I, you know, I'm thinking about getting one of those Zoom H4s, which Amazon's 180 bucks, and then I got to get it. There's two types of mics you can get a USB or an auxiliary, or whatever. Yeah, an aux cable mic, right? That's what they're called. I think. See, the funny thing is, I'm actually not technical at all. For some reason, as an app and a podcast, I uh, couldn't tell you a lot of the actual technical stuff. Um, but the mic I'm using that I'm talking to right now, it's an AKGP 120 and it was like a hundred bucks. And then I got it sitting on this little, you know, cheap desk stand boom. Um, yeah. And it plugs into, yeah, it's like not a USB. It's like an auxiliary thing that plugs yeah. to three prong plug. <clears throat> yeah. So you can get, okay. So then you get USB mic or one of those and it just depends on what you're plugging it into. So like for me, I'm plugging mine into my laptop. I'm using you know, a USB mic. They're, they're pretty good. Um, they're apparently the, the auxiliary ones have better audio quality, but for what I do, it's not a big deal. And then, uh, the auxiliary ones, uh, plug into like the zooms and the, the actual audio equipment. Like if you're buying audio equipment, they're going to have an aux cable for it, not a USB. That's what they're going to ask for. Like, yeah, people who do stand up comedy and all that stuff, it's an aux. It's not, it's not a USB mic. So I guess you just get more, it transfers more information and more data. So you get cleaner. It's like the difference between 1080p and 4k or whatever, you know, it's not like anybody really notices the difference unless you have a 4k TV or whatever. But, uh, but anyway, that's kind of what I wanted to just touch on for anybody who's thinking about doing a podcast or has questions about that. And then one of the questions that I have personally is, uh, 
and I and I fluctuate on this a little bit myself, but is a podcast even worth doing? Because it's so saturated right now. There's so many hunting podcasts out there. Is it even worth doing or should you just sit back and try to be guests or depends, what? It depends on what your goals are. You know, I, I've read the book a couple of times. Start with why by Simon Sinek. And uh, when I say know your why, like what, why, why do you want to do it? And if you can answer that question and there's some sort of, you know, fire inside of you that you can't stand to put out and douse and it has to burn bright. And that's a good outlet for you. I look, I can't do blogs because I suck shit at writing and I don't want to write. I'm terrible at it. I, <laughs> something breaks in my brain by the time the thoughts get to my fingertips. It doesn't work, but I don't have that problem when the thoughts try to flow out of my mouth. So I think for me, at least that outlet makes the most sense. And I'm naturally pretty decent at talking to people and asking good questions. So um, I'm able to navigate conversations well with guests and provide value that way. And what I'll say is I read a book last summer or last fall called um, Play Bigger. And it talked, it's all a lot of like Silicon Valley stuff, the startup stuff, because I have to pay attention to that. But it talks about doing things differently rather than better. So um, it talks about like white space in a market. So, you know, the energy drink market is super saturated, you know, and someone would say, well, why would you start another energy drink? That's ridiculous. There's no room in that space for that. There's NAS, there's Monster, there's, you know, Red Bull, there's hundreds others. And what would you do? Well, 5-Hour Energy entered that market. They didn't make anything better. They just made something different. It's this tiny little shot that sits in the counter, not in the refrigerator section, because maybe I don't want to consume all that liquid to fill myself up to have to go to the bathroom a hundred times. Um, maybe I don't need another one of those. So that's an example or one example of doing something differently uh, than better. It's not that it's better than a monster yeah. or Red Bull. It just has its a new place. So I challenge people to think that if you know when you're going to start a podcast, what are you going to do different than someone else? And maybe that's your, your your unique personality. Maybe that's the way you talk or you the way you tell stories or the people you know and the connections you have. Um, maybe that's your ability to produce something really polished. Um, for me, what I'm trying to do different is do a radio show that takes calls live. I don't see anybody else doing that in this industry. I listen to Dave Ramsey. He does it. I was like, well, if he can figure it out, I can figure it out. Um, Grant, I don't have millions of dollars of and, and, <laughs> engineers, audio engineers. Dave, but has, I, uh, Dave has a few more resources than you do. <laughs> but you know, I started a podcast last year uh, with Jeff Genke and Greg Tubbs called called Huntland, H-N-T-L-N-D. And it, it died um, for some silly reasons about, you know, people being upset with the people involved, et cetera. I won't get into the drama of that, but our goal with that podcast was to do a five to 10 minute episode about some sort of quick tip. And it was super to the bone. We didn't have any chewing the fat bullshit uh, sessions. We weren't trying to do another deer camp episode or another interview style episode. We just thought, you know, people don't have any time. Their ears are already being pulled in several directions by listening to every other podcast that's out there. What if we just give them something to listen to in between for five minutes? And then our our episodes or our content becomes um, repeatable, right? Because maybe you'll listen to a five-minute episode you know, five times rather than an hour episode once. And uh, if it's a good tactic, then it'll get shared. And that was something very different. And still, no one's doing that. We did it. It took off uh, fast. And it, unfortunately, you know, it just fizzled out because of, like I said, some other things. So... Uh, that tells us that we were onto something because we were trying to do something different. We weren't trying to do something better. And, um, sure. you know, I got that model from an, uh, a podcast called Grammar Girl, and she does like two to three to four minute episodes on some grammar tip like your versus your. 
(laughs) (laughs) And you put in the apostrophe RE versus when to not to. And it seems simple, simple little things like that. Or like, is it flesh out or is it flesh out? It's flesh out. Um, You know, so little aha things you can learn. Um, So that was, I guess if I, to answer your question, if you're going to think about, you know, is it even worth it? It depends on your why. And uh, just know that you're in for some work and you need to be prepared to be and stay consistent and build yourself a framework so that way it's not easy for easy sake, but easy enough for you to maintain and do. Set yourself up for success. So I have a template for my episodes now that I've created. I have Google Calendar and I have templates for that for when I send invites out. Um, I book guests out far, far in advance now. I have a system in place for how I do things. And I used to not. I used to have to reinvent the wheel every time I do one of these damn things. And uh, <laughs> I, I learned after many years that like, it doesn't work. I would do an interview and I would sit on it for like a week because I'd be like, oh, I'm done with the interview. Whew. And then I'd move on with my life and put my kid to bed. And then I would go do something and then I'd be like, well, I'll produce it, you know, tomorrow. And then my wife would be like, well, can we just watch, you know, whatever? I'm like, well, no, I should go do my thing. And she's like, well, do you have to? I'm like, well, I guess I don't have to, but I should. And then I wouldn't. And then, you know, people wouldn't hear from me like, hey, bro, where's the podcast? I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, I should do that. So now that I do it every Tuesday. (laughs) Sounds like my life. Yeah. Now it's it's like it is a thing and I am left alone on Tuesdays and that's it. You know, so it's 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 changed and evolved a lot, man. But um, my advice is if you got something to say and you got an outlet for it, then it's a great outlet. It's a very low barrier of entry compared to when I did it. We had to make our own content management system. (laughs) Yeah. No, I remember you telling me the story about that. It sounded like a, a hell of a lot more work than than what I, you know, the ease of it now. Yeah. When I think about, you know, is it worth it to do a podcast? Because, you know, obviously I started mine, I think, I don't know, late last year, maybe in September, October. And I was just like, you know what, I'm going to do it. Uh, one was, I don't, there aren't, in my like opinion, uh, there are some other good like whitetail hunting podcasts, mm-hmm. but I think they all have their own individual downfalls. And I think I take care of those downfalls, uh, besides the fact that I don't, you know, the things that I need to work on personally are staying, staying more consistent. And then also, uh, really, uh, researching and finding guests and getting a podcast out, you know, once or twice a week and uh staying consistent that way but aside from that there's there are just some downfalls that i didn't like about the current whitetail podcasts and it it varies between personality and structure and you know how the how people talk and things like that just like i i just thought i could do better than them uh and i still think i can uh but or can you do uh, different than them what's that or can you do different than them yeah, well, I can do better and I can do different. Um, and I right now I'm not 100% certain on the different. I have some ideas which I've shared with you the other day, but uh, but I you know I'm I'm working through that. And for I for my day job I do sales and I like talking to people and I like having conversations and I just really enjoy pulling pulling people's thoughts out and letting other people hear them so that they can learn and they can do better in their own life. You know, that's really the only reason I ever started listening to podcasts in the first place. It wasn't for entertainment value, it was for education value so that I could kill bigger deer or more deer or get on and actually see more deer. That's why I started listening to podcasts. 
So that's what that's what I want to bring. I don't necessarily want to bring entertainment to people. I want to bring education, but the podcast needs to be needs to be somewhat exciting and somewhat entertaining because if it's just super dry, which for instance, like Jay Scott, Jay Scott, have you ever listened to that podcast? Yeah. 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 Jay Scott outdoors. The dude is extremely intelligent and very like understands how all the Western units hunt and how they draw and what animals are in what units. And if you want to hunt Arizona versus New Mexico, like the dude knows his shit. But God, his podcasts are so dry. Like, I have a hard time listening to them unless I'm specifically listening to them for a unit that I'm going to be hunting this fall. Then I'll listen to it. But other than that, I'm like, man, I, I just I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. So um, so that's like that's the whole opposite end of the spectrum and where it's where Jay Scott does like, peer education. You've hit it on the head, though. Like there's two components to this. There's utility or there's escapism. Either you're going to get something practical out of this or you're going to be entertained. And there's some that blend it well. And there's some that are on one side of that scale or the other. I think the working class boner guys do a good job of the, the entertainment side, although there is some utility that they provide every now and again. Yeah. And they, they get it. I mean, they have some whole uh, crew of guys that are skilled hunters. But like Steve, he's a freaking comedian, man. He brings the flair and the fun. Steve. Uh, Stevie Moe, man. Like he is he's oh, an actual stand-up okay, comedian. Yeah. And then, you know, Kurt, he's, he's a, you know, he's a go-getter, man. He's got some big deer on the wall and you combine those two and they've created a great product. It's no wonder they're having success, you know, and they got a good audience around them. Um, You know, so I just think if you think about, okay, what is your value add going to be and what is your voice and, and make sure your voice is authentic Like, don't go out there being, you know, Hey, welcome to the weird new hunt podcast. Just be yourself. Don't be weird. And because it's like, um, learning how to shoot a rifle, right? Like when you get your, every all the mechanics in place at the end of the day, when you get to the bottom of that breath and that, and that exhale, you're, and you're not pulling the trigger, you're squeezing it. Right. So, and then it, it squeezes, everything has to be where it's going to fall naturally for you to replicate that shot on the bullseye. Now, if yeah. you try to force that rifle into place and you're squeezing the trigger or you're pulling the trigger and you're flinching and you're doing all this shit, you might hit it every now and again, you might hit a good bullseye and you'll be okay. But you can't repeat that success. It's not repeatable. So if you're not going to be true to yourself and authentic, you're wasting everyone's time, including your own. So like, right. make sure you're natural and comfortable. And then once you figure that out, then you can start to move the needle on the other things. So maybe try to figure one thing out first. If you already have that part down and you're comfortable in your own skin, fucking great. Then you got to think about what you're, what are you going to put out there? That's either utility um, or escapism, like entertainment. And if you look at someone's smartphone. And you go to their home screen, you're going to have a good idea of what type of person that is. Are they have a bunch of freaking games on there? They're trying to escape reality and Netflix and all that shit. Or are they going to have calculators and bank apps and other stuff that's utility? <laughs> Only two yeah. things, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny. I Yeah, I just pop my phone open and check out my home screen. <laughs> I got my, my work email. I got Craigslist and I got Google Maps and my personal email. <laughs> practical guy, man. You, you, you get fulfillment on life by, you know, improving yourself. And that makes you feel good. You don't need to be escaping. Yeah. If you escape, then you're not improving yourself and working on it. So, and, and yeah, there's that's a an intro, place for that's, escapism, but that's it, a conversation right there. And it, it's the entire self. Like yeah. if you need to escape the reality that you're in, like change your reality. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, that, yeah, there's a lot. We could talk about that for the next hour. Um, but, uh, if, 
I'm just thinking if anybody out there is listening to this and they're wondering like, man, should I start a podcast? One of the other big reasons that I wanted to is I'm trying to really um, build up a a base and a good audience and and help people out along the way and help people find success and and build an audience. But at some point, you know, you're going to be able to talk to uh, phenomenal and in my people that I would consider high profile guests. You know, like I mentioned earlier, Aaron Hitchens, like he would, in my opinion, would be a high profile guest. And just to be able to like have that guy's phone number and be able to call him up and have a, you know, one and a half, two hour, one hour conversation with him. And then, you know, you, you do make a relationship right there. And then you go to a trade show or something in the near future and you see him and you're like, Hey man, how's it going? And all of a sudden you're, you're creating this network of friends within the industry that you then can like call and talk to if you ever need help with something or you ever want to, you know, partner on some sort of project or whatever's going on. You know, you can both of you can help each other grow in certain ways and help each other out. You know, I think that's one of the big values of, of doing the podcast. The biggest thing, and this is, uh, you know, I'm sorry I didn't mention it sooner and that it's coming out. I mean, I'm glad you're bringing it out. It's your, I guess it's your job as the as the host. <laughs> <laughs> the inter- yeah. It's a relationship building tool, man. I've made um, countless connections and I've connected other people to those connections. And I think you got a connection from one of my connections from a listener. Like the network effect of that is super powerful, but I've made some real friends. Like you and I become friends because of this on some level. I Uh, would have never known you even existed. uh, My buddy, uh, Tyler, who is co-founding the OKS Hunter with me. We are friends. Uh, He lives in Oconomowoc. I live in Oconomowoc. He was a listener. Uh, Greg Tubbs. He's the co-host of the Word to Hunt podcast. Now, we have become friends. He was a listener. Like, he sent me a message on Instagram. Hey, I like your podcast. I think you're in the area. Do you want to go shoot at Whale Tales sometime? Like, those are real friendships. Those are just three, and there's plenty more than that. Um, my buddy Kyle up in, in the Northwoods now, like, he, he's another one. There's, I have countless stories of that. Um, and, and then, like, the ability to call on people and ask for help, whether it's podcasting help, hunting help, business help. Um, like Johnny Utah, that guy's a fucking machine. He's a he is a savant yeah. when it comes to running a business. You want to talk to some about business? Talk to Johnny Utah, aka Johnny Utah. Is his name's um, shit John? It's like with something with an M for the last name that's just escaping me. I want to say Malone. But that's not <laughs> um, I'll look him up right now. And I and I have his number now, and I have Kurt Geyer's number, and I have all these other guys' numbers, and and like they're available. My buddy Jared Norwood, he lives down in Arkansas. I talk to him uh, bi-weekly at least. And uh, he just started a new gig now um, called uh, Native Native South. And uh, his thing is like he's more Southern than cornbread. Like, dude, these are real friendships that have been sparked up. The founder of Go Wild, Brad Luttrell, I talked to him re- like recently and regularly. He's kind of mentored me a bit on some of the things I'm working on. It's just I could go on and on and on and on, and on man. But right. it's it's really something man it really is and um even the vector guys like we're doing some sponsorship stuff with yeah. them isaac smith he's just a good dude mike's a good dude um the owner of outdoor addiction taxidermy he's a good dude and his food's super good and he's a young motivated dude like we are like well not like we are because he's younger than us and he's far more fit <laughs> than <laughs> i am maybe not you know but... like he's just you know i haven't ever the met machine. the guy but on your podcast it sounds like that dude would run a three-minute mile like he's just wired he's <laughs> awesome and he's super nice yeah. and authentic and um you know so just stuff like that man like uh, 
the backwards grind guys, I could just keep going. I really could. And I feel bad that I'm not actually. So that's why I keep. <laughs> yeah, no, but like, I feel like I owe them. Proving you know? The point is, you know, a lot of people, you know, in a world like, I mean, at least right now, you know, I'm 30. I get up, I hang out with my family and assuming COVID's gone, I go to work, I hang out with my coworkers, I do my job, I come home, I, I'm with my family more, and then my kid goes to bed at seven, and then I hang out in front of the TV for, you know, an hour, hour and a half or something, do some extra work, do some more stuff, and then I go to bed and do it again. Like, you're, a lot of times your friend groups are pretty much like set, like 70, 80% of them by the time you get out of college, and you're really not expanding that much. Like you're not meeting people like you would when you're 21 rolling into the bars every Friday, Saturday night or or on a college campus or even in high school. Like you're just it's just not how it is. And if you're it, it really ties back into like the retention, reactivate, recruit, because you're looking for people to talk to and people to hang out with and stuff. And you you have common interests. You know, hunting binds a lot of people together. I mean, that's why you and I are even friends is because we both hunt. We both mm-hmm. enjoy things mm-hmm. in the outdoors. So, uh, you know, as you podcast and, and meet all these different people, you grow your friend and you just grow your friend group. And it's and it's fun because at some point in time, you know, like. I said to you like earlier, you're like, man, I've never just felt like I've never bought a turkey tag. So I just I've never really went. And I'm like, well, buy a turkey tag and we'll go next weekend. And you're like, well, I don't know, maybe, you know, and I'm going to sit here and harp on you till we go. But I'm probably not going to go anyway because it's Memorial Day weekend and I'm going to go get drunk. But the uh, (laughs) (laughs) the other right. Yeah, that's that's a legitimate excuse. I'm going to go hang out with friends and and drink up at a cabin. but the other thing is, you know, it'll get you new experiences because I have friends like my I roommate in college. The Basin thing last summer. And I was like, dude, Anthony, holy shit, you're here. Like, what's <laughs> and I was like, you're like yeah. the only other person I knew there other than Jeff, you know, and yeah, it was awesome. I was like, holy shit, you know, and, and you competed and I watched you suffer. And I was like, man, I dude, kinda, was, I'm glad I'm not. <laughs> I was not. I was not in the shape that, I, you know, uh, that Tyro Basin thing we did. Uh, I did a beast mode. Beast Mode Archery Challenge, I think is what it's called. Um, guy named Brian runs it. Mm-hmm. And uh, the description of the course was like, hey, you're going to do these, you know, up, downs, burpees, like throw a sandbag around, whatever, shoot your bow. And you're going to do it in like 15 minutes um, or you're going to get time for it. And then you're going to start uh, a one mile run like that's the description. So the the short stuff like. 10, 15 minutes doing these sandbag things. I'm like, cool. I need to train for that because like that's 15 minutes and a one mile run. The person who wins, that's probably going to do it, you know, in like eight minutes, you have to wear a 50, 50 pound pack. So that was like my thought process going in. Like, you know, I need to spend all my time in shimming down this sandbag stuff. And then I'll just, I'll, I'll hack out, you know, an eight or nine minute mile and, and call it good. The course turned out to be two and a half miles long over just over two and a half miles up and down Tyrell basins hills. I knew it was going to be a hill, but I didn't know the first part of the whole thing was going to be straight up the ski lift, right? With 50 pounds. I trained, I trained a little bit for it, but man, I got my ass kicked. I finished like right in the middle of the pack. You know, I think my time 
on the whole thing was like an hour and 20 minutes or an hour and 15 minutes to do the whole thing. And uh, the dude who won it did it in 45, like half the time. One of them, the guy who did it in like 47 minutes, second place, he passed me. I was like, Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) I give up. Right. But yeah, no, that was, that was, it was fun. It was, man, it was an ass kicker for sure. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I didn't, they did, they had it this year or they didn't have it this year because of COVID, but I'm not sure if they're going to continue to have it. I don't know. They're, I, I personally, I'm just not, I'm not doing it this year. I just have other things that motivate me. And I know you last year, you were like, yeah, dude, I've been in the weight room and I've been eating a lot. Like there's no chance I'd ever even consider this right now. <laughs> no, I, 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 a lot of weight on me from lifting and that's all I was doing. I had no cardio. Yeah. No, they, they changed the name to it to the endurance, uh, the endurance challenge. So that's that's like, to me, that's much more suitable than, uh, than just like, you know, the, whatever train to hunt challenge or whatever it was called, um, or beast mode challenge. Cause that was, well, I'm gonna have to do something because Greg and I are planning an elk trip in 2021 in October. So in Colorado, so I gotta, yeah, man, I'm on my side right now, but it won't be forever. I gotta get my ass going here. I heard about that. So, uh, you know, my, I've, I've done three elk trips and I have, uh, been unsuccessful all three personally. Um, so I should bring you with because you'll tell me what not to do. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the two of the three though, uh, trips, um, people, I, I go with a group of four guys and we, one elk was killed in all in two of them. So we all went home with meat the first two times. Uh, and multiple opportunities were had. So it, in general, we, like we were doing well because the success rate in those units are like 4% or some shit. So uh, we were doing better than most people at a 25% success rate. But yeah, man, the biggest, it's not necessarily being super fit that's going to that's gonna help you out. It's a lot of it's mental because with elk hunting, as, as I've found, with whitetail hunting, you get out of the vehicle you go walk to a spot, you're like, and then you sit in that spot for, you know, two to eight hours, whatever. But that's like a destination hunt. You're, you're going to a spot and you're hunting. With elk hunting, the second you close the door of your vehicle, you're hunting. And you can kill an elk any time of the day from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. They're active during the rut. So if you're going in September, like they're active. So my biggest piece of advice is a never come back to the tent, pack all your food for the entire day and b like, don't destination hunt. Don't pick a spot on the map and be like, let's get here today and go check out this area. You want, instead of doing that, you want to say, Hey, let's walk this 10 mile loop today and call our way and just work our way around these 10 miles and just plan it out. Like you're planning a hiking trip. That's when, when we started doing that, we started running into more elk and, and understand and having more opportunities, you know, rather than zero opportunities, we we'd get like a half an opportunity or something like that. But that's the biggest change for me as a whitetail hunter is like, I was constantly like, man, I want to get over here. And I would, I would move, you know, I would haul ass to get to that spot. And then I'd hang out at that spot thinking that there's elk there. And I'd call a few times. I wouldn't hear anything. And I just sit there for like a half hour and be like, all right, well, maybe we should go to a different spot. When in reality, you just want to like slowly creep through the woods, you know, walk around, try to be quiet and and call and just take your time. And 
Like they, they it, you have just as good at odds at killing an elk at one in the afternoon as you do at seven a.m. Whereas it's totally opposite for whitetails. Totally opposite. You know, so that's that's my biggest advice. And then figure out what food what food you're going to bring because <laughs> food boundary is- waters we i made all my own food and then i just dehydrate everything in my oven and then we vacuum sealed packed everything and then i just reheat it all with you know you get water you boil it you dump your food in there and you're good to go and uh, we did like yeah. venison spaghetti like bar- barbecue venison venison spaghetti we did like mac venison mac and venison stroganoff and venison chili and ven- venison nice. uh, pot roast it was all venison that fed us the whole time that, that officially <laughs> caught but Man, it was like, it, it tasted as good as it did coming off the freaking stove when I cooked it. It was crazy. And it yeah. was so much cheaper, A, because it was, it was venison. I had the meat. All the other right. ingredients were super cheap. And then, you know, you try to buy some of those dehydrated meals at REI or, or Cabela's or wherever. Oh, yeah. Pay Five off. bucks a meal, a six bucks a meal. Yeah. yeah, you can spend. And, like, the big thing about those is, like, I think they taste good, but some of them just have so much freaking salt in them. It's, like... It, it like numb my mouth a little bit but uh the other the other big thing if you're going to do that rehydration stuff make sure you have a, a water source and you have water yeah. filtration and all that because we used to uh carry in you know gallons and gallons of water um and that's just kind of a pain in the ass so we would i mean we still would have like a base camp but we would uh we would always set up the base camp near some sort of creek or something so we could just pump water you know, at the end of every day, we just pump water for a while and then we'd have enough to last us the next day, you know? So that's generally what we did, but yeah, man, another topic. Well, it'll be fun. <laughs> What's that? We're going to have to have another topic on this. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. This could go on for a while. Um, but, uh, do the, do the elk one one. Have you heard of that? Uh, no, but I, I do follow uh, Elk Bros or the Blue Collar Elk podcast. Okay. Uh, Joe Gigliano is a good guy. He's going to be a guest on the We're On podcast in a couple weeks. So his brain a bunch. He'll be his second time on the show. Um, I'll have to check out Elk 101 also. Yeah, it's a, it's 100 bucks, but it's a, it's essentially a crash course in elk hunting from Corey Jacobson, who's a multi, multi, uh, multi-time world champion elk caller. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, he's really good at that. And he does a good job explaining it. Um, I, I ran through that and it just it helps you out to understand. Different scenarios when you run into an elk, because it's not like whitetails, you're not just going to like catch them. Sometimes you'll catch them on a trail, but a lot of times it'll just be like, all right, he bugled over here. How do we get to him and how do we approach him? And then when do we call again and how do we call and and you know what's the situation and all that kind of stuff so anyway yeah again a whole nother topic um that i'm not even really qualified to speak on because i haven't killed one <laughs> well i know if you've done it you've done it yeah yeah i've, I've failed well, you learn from my failures <laughs> which is a lot of what my content is anyway but uh but no man i think uh yeah we need to get out turkey hunting and then uh you got any uh deer hunting plans this fall or just same old same old or uh you know two or three years ago my my goal my generically uh was to hunt you know several more properties and start to learn more pieces so i have more places to go um i've been continuing to do that and add at least one or two new properties so last season i hunted three three new properties that i'd never been to ever um, one of those was with, with you and then not that I intend to take that spot from you or anything like that, but that was me. <laughs> no. um, 
and then um you know i've just been practicing more with some of the stuff i've been learning as a podcaster i've learned shit tons and i just keep trying to apply that knowledge in the field so using water to separate myself from other hunters um learning you know that deer bet on you know the leeward side and not the windward side if the wind is blowing over them so just trying to put some of those practices in place uh for myself and study the land learn the land learn the deer behavior in terms of goals just continue to close the gap because i've gotten closer to bigger bucks in the last two seasons than i ever have out of all of my hunting and i just am getting closer and closer and closer so i'm still being patient of that i'm learning um and i'm not taking like a risky shot through tall grass and trying to injure a deer just keep trying to improve little bits at a time every season and in terms of goal this year no man have fun and that's what it's about for me it's the experience more than anything that's that's more than I can say and, um, you know, start to get the planning in place for, for 2021 for the elk hunt. That's going to be something that's going to take up a lot of my time and energy. Yeah, no, it's uh, planning is planning is a lot of fun. Actually, once you start getting into it and start like doing the research, figuring out what gear you need and all that stuff like that, will it'll be fun. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you know, big thing you mentioned there was just time. Like, you know, it's, it's something you talked about earlier too. And it's just really just putting in the time. You know, and if you can, like your, your app saves people time from having bad hunts. Um, like I've, I've often thought about this and like, you know, if you can put in 40, 50 days of hunting or 30 days of hunting or what, I know that's a lot, but if you can put that in, in one year, you know, in the first year or the second year, your subsequent years, you don't need to put in that much time because most of, of whitetail hunting really is learning a property and learning how a deer move through a property. And then based on that, you can set up certain areas and then you just got to get lucky. Like there's, there's definitely luck involved Mm -hmm. with it, but just like putting in that time on the very front end really helps you to be able to establish all that stuff, um, later on. So you don't have to spend as much time. That's why like you hear some of these guys that talk about deer hunting and they're like, yeah, I hunt, you know, seven times a year and i usually get a good buck like fourth fifth time out they don't even hunt that much and they like they attribute their success to not hunting that much because they're never in the woods and the deer don't smell them and understand where their stands are and all that but at the same time they didn't just walk out there on day one and be like all right i know where all the perfect tree stands are i know where all the movement is and uh and i only need to hunt here on november 4th and 7th and and i'll kill one like that didn't happen the first day that happened over years and years and years of failure, but also learning from every failure to the point that they get it where they're at now. And, uh, and to me, that's when like, I've, I haven't made it there yet, but I hope with our new piece of private, I will at some point and I'll understand it. And then it just becomes a luck game and I can already see me getting bored of it. Like <laughs> I, I enjoy the adventure kind of like what you're saying. I enjoy learning the new piece of property and i enjoy seeing the new views and learning how deer you know use different trails and different types of terrain and how they enter and access or enter and exit food sources based on pressure based on terrain uh you know wind direction weather time of year like there's all like it's it's an infinite book that you can learn and i just i really enjoy that part of it uh and uh and i you know and I know it'll continue for me because there's just, there's so much public to explore and it's just fun. <laughs> um, all right, man. Well, 
that's a good that's a good time to stop. We're at about an hour and ten minutes or so. I uh, appreciate your time. Uh, if anybody wants to find you, find your podcast and whatnot, give them all the give them all the details. Yeah, the shameless plug part. So just head on yeah. over to <laughs> wheretohuntapp.com and that'll get you everything you need in terms of you know downloading the app or listening to the podcast, reading the blog that Greg's been keeping up with and stuff like that. And then uh, debuting the okshunter.com uh, in like 18 days or something like that. So I don't know what that date puts us at, but um, that's something that's spun off of where to hunt because I call myself the okayest hunter and yeah. did that as a way to say like, hey, look, I'm no expert. <clears throat> I don't want to take flack for people saying that I am. And that was my way to, to dis- disarm that. And then that turned into its own brand. So that's something that I'm really excited about <laughs> doing. Um. Yeah, that's it, man. Wheretohuntapp.com and okshunter.com are probably the two best places. And then as a last one, uh, for whatever it's worth, since I got the time here, uh, baselayermedia.com, I do logo design and development and logo development for uh, outdoor brands. So if you need a logo, you're doing a, starting a podcast, hit me up. I can help you out. For sure. No, and then also all the socials, right? All the Facebooks and Instagrams. All, and all connected. Stuff. Yeah, yeah. It'll all yeah. be. If you go to that one place, it'll it'll take all the other ones. But yeah, where to hunt? You'll you'll find it. Okay. Awesome, man. We'll really appreciate it, and uh, we will. I don't know. I'm sure we'll just talk. You know, in the next week or so. Oh yeah, man. Appreciate it. Thank all right. you. Yeah. See ya.